Hi everyone, I'm Jackson Michael of The Game Before The Money and just recently found out that Eddie Metter passed away. Eddie Metter is still the career leader for the Rams in interceptions, blocked kicks, several other categories. He's come close to making the Pro Football Hall of Fame in recent years and he was also one of my earliest guests on the Game Before the Money podcast. He was a super nice guy. I was really grateful uh, to be able to chat with him. And that's one of the reasons why I do the Game Before the Money is because, you know, there'll be a time when these guys can't share their stories. So I work really hard to preserve stories from former players, their personal history, their career history, And really, it adds up to American history because pro and college football teams, they have people from all over the country with all kinds of different backgrounds, all kinds of different personalities, and everybody has their own unique road that brings them there. And Eddie Metter had great stories. He actually stayed in a laundromat during high school. There was a specific college that Eddie wanted to play football at, and he was told by that coaching staff that they didn't think he could make it. So Metter took the best college option that he could get and made the most of it. I wanted to repost this episode in honor of Eddie Metter and share sympathies with his family as well. Here is the original Game Before the Money podcast episode with Eddie Metter. Welcome to the Game Before the Money podcast, brought to you by nbautographs.com. That's N as in Namath, B as in Bolitnikoff, nbautographs.com. Game Before the Money Podcast. Celebrating pro and college football history, one legend at a time. Hi everybody, welcome to the Game Before the Money podcast, brought to you by nbautographs.com. I'm Jackson Michael, author of the book, The Game Before the Money, published by the University of Nebraska Press. I also wrote and directed We Were the Oilers, The Love You Blue Era, a documentary of the Love You Blue Era Houston Oilers. Both are available at amazon.com. The book is available also at Barnes & Noble and the University of Nebraska Press website. This episode, we get to chat with Rams legend Eddie Metter, who still, even though he retired nearly a half century ago at the end of the 1970 season, he is still the Rams' all-time interception leader and tied for the most interceptions returned for touchdowns in team history. Eddie Metter, a six-time Pro Bowl selection at safety, twice named All-Pro, and is a member of the 1960s Pro Football Hall of Fame All-Decade team. Now, the other two safeties on that team, Larry Wilson and Willie Wood, are in the Hall of Fame, and we'll tell you later how you can nominate Eddie 
for the Pro Football Hall of Fame as well. He's one of those guys that hasn't been inducted yet, but certainly deserves to be in there. Eddie was born in Texas in 1937, but while he was a youngster, his family moved to Russellville, Arkansas. At that time, when in Russellville, it was about maybe maybe 12,000, 12 to 15,000 people. So it was kind of like being in the country. Eddie's family lived on a farm outside of town and also owned a laundromat. Living on the farm made it difficult getting to and from school, especially when football practice ran late. So Eddie came up with a solution. Well, my mother and daddy had a laundromat, and they also had a a little farm outside of town. And I just fixed me a bed in the back end of that laundromat and stayed there. I just lived in the back of the laundromat. From living in the back of a laundromat to becoming one of the greatest defensive backs in Los Angeles Rams history. You might guess that the road between the two wasn't easily paved. Eddie worked hard and lettered in three sports in high school and made All-State in football. He hoped to play college football at Texas A&M. I really wanted to go to Texas A&M. That's when Bear Bryant was down there, and and we had a fellow from Russellville, John Gilbert was his name, that was on the football team at A&M, and so I, I kind of wanted to go down there, mainly, I guess, because I was originally from Texas. We moved from Texas to Arkansas when I was in high school and kind of wanted to get back to Texas. Eddie had a chance to meet with A&M to discuss playing football. I went down and visited with the people at A&M, and they looked at me and said, well, I think that you're probably too small to play in the Southwest Conference. So that kind of broke my heart, so I came on back and... Then I tried to go to the University of Tulsa, and they had the same feelings towards me. So two colleges told Eddie he was too small to play. But we know that's not where the story ends. Sometimes people destined for success just need an opportunity. Eddie was given his opportunity in his own backyard. Arkansas Tech is in Russellville, and of course they had seen me play my senior year. So they offered me a scholarship, and I said, well, I better jump on that. And jump on that he did. Now, you might not have heard of Arkansas Tech's football team. They're called the Wonder Boys. And Texas A&M has put nearly 300 people into the NFL, including Hall of Famer Yale Larry, Tulsa, over 150 players, including Hall of Famers Steve Largent and Bob St. Clair. Arkansas Tech's NFL legacy? To this day... Eddie has played more NFL seasons than all the other players in Arkansas Tech football history combined. In fact, he's almost doubled that number. But the Ed Metter story is a great example of what you can do when given an opportunity. Metter played offense, defense, and returned kicks on special teams. He rushed for over 3,400 yards in his Arkansas Tech career and made the All-Arkansas Intercollegiate Conference team three years in a row and led the Wonder Boys to the conference championship his senior year. That senior season, Eddie was voted on the Little All-American team, an All-American team made of players from smaller colleges. That put him on the roster in the Optimist Bowl in Tucson, Arizona. Now those of you who have read the book, The Game Before the Money, you might remember that Denver Broncos Ring of Fame member Goose Gosselin credited the Optimist Bull for putting him in front of Broncos scouts. 
and ultimately helping him get into pro ball. Ed Metter shares with us a similar story about that game. It was a, a game that pitted the major college All-Americans against the small college All-Americans. The Ram scout was there, and his name was Eddie Cotell. And yeah, I guess he kind of liked what he saw. They wanted to know if I'd be interested in playing, and I certainly would. So consequently, they drafted me. The Los Angeles Rams drafted Eddie as the 80th overall selection in the 1959 NFL Draft. Back then, there were only 12 NFL teams, so the 80th overall pick was selected in the 7th round. In today's world, with 32 NFL teams, the 80th overall selection is in the 3rd round of the NFL Draft. A 2017 Business Insider article states that under the current collective bargaining agreement, a third-round draft choice in today's world can expect a contract around $3.3 million. Things were a little bit different when you were the 80th overall selection in the 1959 draft. I was a seventh-round choice in 1959, and I signed a contract as a rookie for $7,500, and they gave me a $500 bonus to sign. So my rookie year, I made a total of $8,000. And of course, back then, you know, the dollars were worth a lot more than they are today. I used the Bureau of Labor Statistics inflation calculator to estimate that $8,000 in 1959 equates to about $70,000 at the beginning of 2019. Still, a far cry from the $3.3 million multi-year contract that the 80th overall selection might expect to pull down in today's NFL. Of course, in the game before the money era, the thrill of playing the game outweighed the size of the contract. Ed tells us what it was like to step on the field at the LA Coliseum playing for the Rams in his first exhibition game. That was quite an experience. It was an annual time charity game in, in LA and I walk out of the tunnel of the Coliseum and look in the stands, and there's a little over 100,000 people in the stands. And that's more people than I'd played before in three years of high school, four years of college, and, and all put together. Eddie says he had never been to a pro football game before, and thus he ended up starting the first pro football game he ever attended. The energy was high in the L.A. Coliseum, and the crowd was loud. I had a little trouble hearing the signals and everything, so <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm probably not going to make this ball club because I think I missed several of the signals uh, because of the crowd. But it was quite an experience, I'll tell you for sure. Rams head coach Sid Gilman kept Eddie Metter on the roster despite him missing a few signals in that first exhibition game. Ed would go on to have three interceptions that year. Unfortunately for the Rams, that total was higher than the number of wins they would have that season. The Rams only won two games, and Sid Gilman was out the next year, replaced by another Hall of Famer, Bob Waterfield. As we discussed a little bit earlier, salaries were quite a bit different back then, and Ed worked in the offseason like most professional football players at the time. I worked with a steel company in Los Angeles in the off season. 
and then I did had a lot of uh, public speaking, you know, at banquets, at different meetings, and so forth. And back then, we were lucky if we get $25 to speak. So, of course, like I said, the, the dollar back then was a little bit more than it is today. In fact, after my rookie year, I was going to, man, I'm going to buy me a new car. I went down to Felix Chevrolet in L.A. and, and got a Chevrolet station wagon for $7,000 or something like that. And it was just unbelievable. And the same vehicle today cost, you know, forty, fifty thousand $50,000. The Rams doubled their win total in 1960. Ed had four interceptions that year, returned one for a touchdown, and made the Pro Bowl roster. In 1961, the Rams drafted Deacon Jones. Deacon was quite a character and one heck of a ball player. And he was the beginning of the fearsome foursome. The fearsome foursome was the Rams' defensive line in the 1960s, featuring Lamar Lundy at defensive end with Deacon Jones. The Rams would then draft defensive tackle Merlin Olsen out of Utah State in 1962. And then in 1963, acquire Rosie Greer from the New York Giants. In the late 1960s, Roger Brown would become part of that group, playing defensive tackle, coming over from the Detroit Lions after Rosie Greer retired. To this day, that defensive line is still recognized as one of the greatest defensive lines in NFL history. Eddie tells us what it was like to play behind that defensive line, as well as a pretty solid set of linebackers. I think it certainly helped the secondary because the pressure that those guys can put on a quarterback, it was just a pleasure to play behind those guys. And, of course, the, the linebackers that we had was Jack Pardee and Les Richter and Maxie Bond and guys like that, too. With those seven guys, the pressure on the quarterback was tremendous. It made it, I think, a little bit easier on us defensive backs. Commentators and reporters covering today's NFL would use terms such as ball hawk and defensive playmaker to describe Eddie Metter's play. According to the USA Today, Eddie not only holds the Rams team record in interceptions, but also fumble recoveries and blocked kicks. In fact, the USA Today credits him with 10 career blocked kicks. Maybe I had a little bit of a nose for the football. I just tried my best to turn the ball over some way through our offense. Having a nose for the football often put Eddie in the thick of the action. And in the world of pro football, it can also be dangerous. Eddie tells us about a violent collision he had with Packers running back Paul Horning. He came through the line of scrimmage and hit me with his knee. And I guess it was the left side of the helmet. And cracked that thing all the way to the top. The Rams discarded Eddie's cracked helmet, gave him a new one, and he played the rest of the game. And I didn't remember a whole lot in that ball game, at least for 30 or 40 minutes I didn't. Back then, they, you know, they would break melon sauce in front of you and get back in there, son, and, and play. The Rams continued to languish with a losing record through the first half of Metter's career. Then... In 1966, the Los Angeles Rams hired George Allen as head coach. Probably the greatest coach that I ever had. He was 120% football. He's the kind of guy that if you go into the practice session and say, good morning, coach, 
He'll say, boy, you got to watch that Raymond Berry. He's tough, and you better be thinking about him a lot. <laughs> Everything he was was about football. And not just any kind of football. George Allen was about winning football. In 1966, Allen's first year as head coach of the Rams, the Rams finished 8-6. and six. That was the team's first winning record in nearly a decade. Their record was good enough to finish third in the NFL's Western Conference. The next year, 1967, the NFL divided itself into four divisions. The Rams won 11 games and won the new Coastal Division, which put them in the NFL playoffs. Even though the Rams lost in the first round of the playoffs, the 11 regular season wins set a franchise record. Those of you who have listened to other episodes of our podcast might remember Ron McDowell talking about how popular George Allen was with the Washington Redskins players. Metter shares with us a story that demonstrates just how loyal the Rams players were to their head coach. The situation involved Rams owner Dan Reeves. Not to be confused with a Dan Reeves who was playing for the Dallas Cowboys at the time and later became head coach of the Broncos, Giants, and Falcons. Dan Reeves had... uh... Somehow, I don't know, he and George Allen got crossways, and they were in the first steps of firing George Allen. And not only myself, but Jack Pardee, Deacon Jones, Lamar Lundy, and all the guys stood up for George Allen. Eddie and several of his teammates said they'd want to be traded if the Rams fired Coach Allen, and the Rams' ownership backed away from the move. The team kept its winning ways, and never had a losing season under Allen. Eddie, meanwhile, was named All-Pro in 1968 and 1969 and made the Pro Bowl for five consecutive seasons. He talks about what playing in the Pro Bowl was like in those days. You didn't have all the complicated plays and everything. You just didn't have time to practice all of them. It was kind of basic football at that point. What I enjoyed about it was I was associated with players from all over the league and become real good friends with several of them. Eddie was not only recognized for his talent on the field, but also his leadership. At one point, the Rams selected Eddie as their representative to the Players Union. Later on in 69, I believe it was, I was selected as president of the Players Association. Many of you might think of Colts great John Mackey when thinking of the president of the Players Association. Eddie tells us the backstory as to how Mackey became president. Of course, at that time, there was the American League had started. So the president of the uh, American League and me, we felt like the whole organization, both the American League and the National League, should vote on a representative to become president of the Player Association. And that's what we did. And John Mackey was elected. Not long after his short stint as president of the NFL Players Association, Eddie Metter placed his cleats on the shelf and retired from pro football. I got to the point physically where I really couldn't practice during the week and uh, just play on the weekends. Eddie retired after the 1970 season, his 12th year in the league. He suffered a serious injury in his final game. The very last game of the year, and the last game that I played in, Deacon Jones broke my back. I was tackling Ken Willard of the 49ers, and I had him around the knees, and I was 
sitting on my behind and with my legs spread out and Deacon come across the field and hit me in the small of the back and popped like a shotgun. <laughs> you know, he did it not intentionally, of course, but because he was so riled up about the ball game and everything, I guess, he just thought he would help me tackle Ken Willard. Uh, I hated to get out that way because uh, I do know that I've had three back operations in the last five years and have kind of a tough time getting around early in the morning, especially. But, of course, I'm 81 years old today, too. A few years ago, a movement started with the objective of getting Ed Metter into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You can go to edmetter21.com and follow the links on how to nominate Ed for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And that website also has a lot of great info on Ed, his life, and career. And so fans of that era of football, especially Los Angeles Rams fans, will want to check that out. And for just right now, we'll recap some of his career statistics. 46 interceptions, which is the Rams' all-time record, and is going to stay the Rams' all-time record for quite a while because nobody active is close to that. He's also tied for the all-time team lead with five interceptions returned for touchdowns. According to Pro Football Reference, he recovered 22 fumbles. And as the Pro Football Hall of Fame website points out, he's a tremendous open field tackler. He's on the Pro Football Hall of Fame all-decade team for the 1960s. And as I said before, the other two safeties, Larry Wilson and Willie Wood, are both in the Hall of Fame. Ed Metter made six Pro Bowls and All-Pro twice at a time when both of those safeties were playing, as well as Hall of Famers Yale Larry and Paul Krause. So be sure to visit edmetter21.com. That's Ed Metter, M-E-A-D-O-R, 21.com to learn a little bit more about Eddie. And if you're so inclined, nominate him for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. A special thanks to Eddie for interviewing for this podcast. And a special thanks to you for listening to the Game Before the Money podcast. Presented by nbautographs.com. N as in Namath, B as in Bolitnikoff, nbautographs.com. visit the website, thegamebeforethemoney.com. All opinions expressed on this show aren't necessarily shared by anyone else, including our sponsors.